0: We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for AIR. In today's episode, Annie interviews Brian Bayliss. Brian has been in recovery for years now and strongly believes peer support is what saved his life. His journey inspired him to advocate for peer support and to fight for better continuing care for people in recovery and for their families. Is the creator of ascent an incredibly innovative evidence-based mobile app and he also heads up an in-person peer recovery coaching service listen in and learn more about brian about ascent and peer recovery coaching
1: welcome back everyone i am really excited for the topic and the conversation with the person i have on in this week's podcast First of all, I want to say that the subject of peer support is something I am a big believer in, so I want to open up that topic as well as get into the story of this person who I am just really honored to have on, and I think his life is so interesting. Having myself personally experienced how profoundly powerful and encouraging support of peers is having just a few safe people who are understanding who have been there alongside whatever recovery process you are involved in, whether it's therapy or 12 steps or anything else, having that support, I believe is a phenomenal, I believe necessary part of the process to help people heal and recover and not just recover, but recover and rise. So that said, I have invited Brian Bayless on today. Welcome. It is an honor to have you on for our listeners today. Thank you so much.
2: Annie, thank you very much for having me today. And I'm really excited to share information about um, our companies and our services with your audience.
1: Okay. So with that said, let's just get right to it. And if you want to, for those who don't know, what is your story all the way up leading to what got you into peer support and developing Thrive?
2: Sure. Well, thank you. Uh, so I started my career in public accounting, um, practiced that for about 10 years. And uh, then for my own consulting practice, business consulting practice, I work with a lot of early stage companies. Um, you know, life got pretty challenging. Um, I was always a drinker. Um, and I had uh, actually started going to A for a while. Um, but didn't really buy into the program, and um, had a very very bad relapse about five years ago. Uh, that was coupled with debilitating depression and uh, just horrible anxiety. And I bounced around treatment. You know, I had some pretty serious implications from my depression and my anxiety, and um, ended up in a partial hospitalization program. That partial hospitalization program saved my life. Um, There were seven other people in that room with me. Um, They were absolutely amazing. I literally couldn't get my head off the table. Um, Mm -hmm. Those individuals um, helped me uh, get my smile back, helped me get my confidence back, told me I was worth something, um, instilled hope in me, and I was back. Um, Unfortunately, six of the seven of them relapsed within 90 days, and I'm aware that two of them have since passed away. Wow. You know, as I said, the the only difference between me and them was socioeconomic, and uh, you know, my thought was there just has to be a better way, and I wasn't even close to uh, ready to go back to work. So I did some research, and I was able to talk to some real experts in addiction, and what they shared with me is that the real gap in treatment is continuing care. What do people do after they get out of treatment? And so um, I. Took some of my entrepreneurial work and uh, talked to a number of people and was able to find an amazing partner uh, in New Directions, a treatment center in Ohio um, who helped to capitalize the company and then provide human resources to be able to implement a program which combined a mobile recovery app with 24-7, 365 peer recovery coaching. And so we did that um, for a number of years, and um, we had success in um, implementing that program in Cuyahoga County uh, in Ohio, Um, and we uh, grew that program, but we realized that there were other opportunities, and we always said that the mission of the company um, was to uh, become the best in class and most trusted brand a continuing care brand in the country. So there was more to becoming a continuing care brand than you know a mobile app and digital peer support. So what we did was we um, were able to find some funding to implement a program that we now call Thrive ED um, in an emergency department, a very busy emergency room in Cleveland, Ohio. That was Metro Hospital. Um Metro Hospital is an absolutely outstanding um, partner because they're very supportive of uh, helping in the opioid crisis. In fact, they have their own uh, division called the o- Office of Opioid Safety, led by Dr. Joan Papp, which now has forty people working for it. So they were a terrific partner, and we worked together and basically, what our coaches did is they would go into an emergency room and um, and try to help somebody that survived an overdose. And so they would, you know, listen to them and then they would um, would help them try to get into some form of treatment. So that's, you know, how we started, basically how we started the company and the first services that we offered.
1: So you had gone into treatment and then you had had, was peer support assigned to you or it was just kind of evolved based on your experience? No, so, um, you know, that's a
2: really good question. So. You know, peers saved my life. I did have peer support. Um, were they formally trained peer supporters? No, but were they peer supporters? Absolutely. You know, they, they're the same type of people that, you know, we have the opportunity um, to be able to work with us today in our program. And so those people had, had a lot of life experience. You know, I trusted them. They sat and they talked to me and they shared their experiences with me um, so that I knew I wasn't alone. And, you know, they helped me to see that there was a way out, you know, and I, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I'm here today and, you know, have the opportunity to be able to talk with people like you.
1: Right. Yeah. It's amazing that your recovery is not only going so well, but you're doing such service. It's powerful service. Um, I actually experienced peer support myself and it was kind of an accidental situation. It wasn't a trained peer supporter, but it was another woman who had had family issues like I've had. I I often say that I am not in recovery from a substance. I'm in recovery from an obsession over somebody that had recovery from a substance. I was terribly codependent and all that PTSD and craziness that comes with loving an addict. Um, And I was surrounded by them. I grew up with them. My son became addicted after a football injury. And my mom has been a lifelong opiate um, user, abuser. And it's been prescribed as well. And it's just been a rampant, Scourge in my family, and it made me so sick by the time I had reached 30 that I really was almost I could function in a professional setting, but I really was just a mess inside. And a woman had come along just right on time. They often say, when the student is ready, the teacher appears just by chance. She was a therapist that worked in the court system. She came from a large dysfunctional family herself and worked with families dealing with the same types of struggles. So it wasn't a matter of just somebody with expertise in a professional setting with education, she was also able to say, I have been there. This can get better. You can survive this. You can overcome this. This is a light to the way. And there was something so powerful about that added piece of it that she's probably credited with saving my life as well. Just having that peer strength come along like arms around you or some sort of rails leading you out of some of the worst days of despair, I honestly think that makes the difference in just about any life.
2: Absolutely. And, um, you know, again, that's what really helped bring me back. Um, You know, I was really, really down and out. And I knew that there were people that were struggling like I struggled. And, um, and they, again, provided the hope that I needed to get to the next step.
0: So
1: how does one go about becoming a peer support? I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions to open up the information for someone that may not be aware.
2: Sure. So let me talk about, um, I'm going to talk about the state of Ohio right now. Um, So in the state of Ohio, you, um, you know, for us, you have to have two years of uh, clean time. And by the way, we do both substance use disorder and um, mental health uh, peer support. So then the individual has to take a sixteen hour online class, a forty hour training, then um, go through you know background checks to get their um their certification once they um, become certified peer supporters um, and if they're interested in working with us, um, we have our own training um, our uh, Our sustainability model is Medicaid, so we train. Um, individuals, in terms of how to write case notes,
1: and then so I, I actually had gone through the training myself on the mental health side to work with family members who have been affected or just different areas of dis- depression, despair, all of those things and it is a rigorous um, training process, and I believe it 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 sets you up to be healthy and stable for those that you're going to provide that support for, so it's not just turning somebody loose. <laughs> upon people in a weakened condition. It is a really careful process.
2: I mean, that's a great point. And we, you know, when we do our training, we reinforce a lot of the things that are learned in training, um, especially boundaries. You know, it's very, very important that a peer supporter, you know, understand what their, their boundaries are.
1: Um, a couple of things I've learned from the process is um, some things that peer support is not, and that is, they're not a parent or an errand person or a social worker, therapist, a doctor, a financial planner, anything like that. They're more of a complement to those who are, if that makes sense. Would you agree?
2: Yes, I do. I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, a peer supporter is there to teach, not to do. And so, you know, they can help somebody get back on their feet. But, you know, the ultimate goal is that this person becomes self-sufficient. Um, so, you know, we can help them to maybe get a driver's license or get food stamps. But, you know, what we're really doing is we're teaching them how to do this for themselves.
1: Right. Yeah. It's more about guiding and and not dictating. And it's, um, I have found it to be about kind, encouraging, relatable connection, kind of a bridge between somebody's case manager, doctor, therapist, just in the midst of their recovery process.
2: That's right. We're, you know, peer support is an enhancement, not a replacement to other treatment. Right. You know, we're um big believers in uh, medication assisted uh, therapy and treatment and we're also big believers in treatment. Um but yeah. we also um you know our role is continuing care. What do those people do after they get out of treatment?
1: Right. Yeah, I've heard it called um kind of like a tour guide or somebody had said it's like when somebody you feel really safe with were to go to the dentist with you and sit beside the chair or having coffee with your most compassionate, encouraging friend. That's kind of the role.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
1: (laughs) At least that's what I found it to be. I had gone through a process where I could call a therapist and and kind of vent about my circumstances, or I could call my best friend and say, you know, I've had this issue and conflict with my mom or one of my brothers where I could call this person in a peer support role and they would just kind of get it and let me vent and go all over the place and then bring me back to a point of stability and okay, I'm assessing the situation, bringing it back to myself. What's the next best positive thing to do?
2: Right, that's right.
1: And I like that they're power neutral as well. A peer support doesn't come along in any position of authority or there's no level of judgment. There's more of a sense of I've been there and this is going to be okay. I, I'm going to walk through this with you until you feel stronger. It's not, you know, like we said, not a parent or a teacher or anything like that. And um, it's, I think it's always really good to make that clear because sometimes people are really leery like what is what exactly – you know, is this person, this stranger coming along to do? And, and it takes a minute to build that rapport and that trust.
2: I think another important aspect is that um, we believe in all pathways to recovery. So we support all pathways to recovery. Right. So, you know, it's not all about a 12-step program or smart recovery. You know, all pathways, um, you know, including harm reduction.
1: Right. Yeah, there is definitely no... Um, not a one size fits all. It's basically, I think in the beginning, it's what's keeping you alive. And then it's what's the best path for you and for your life and the goals that you have. And every person is completely different. What, what works for me may not necessarily or absolutely work for the next person. So it's kind of finding your sense of momentum, according to your own belief systems and what you can use to motivate yourself. Because ultimately it's up to you to motivate yourself. And it's up to me to motivate myself, no matter how great somebody is that comes along and, and supports your journey.
2: It's so true. And I think the one important thing that we try to instill in people, you know, kind of day one is hope. You know, if we can give somebody hope, you know, then there's a chance and our coaches do a really good job of that. You know, one other thing that we do is we have a, uh, a workbook for a recovery plan and We don't fill out that workbook. This is the recovery plan of the individual, of the peer. So, you know, it's their plan. They're going to have ownership on it. We can give them some guidance. But again, at the end of the day, it's got to be their plan.
1: Right. Yeah, it's just um, one thing I loved about Thrive is I had um, sat in on a meeting with some of you. And um, one of your representatives was saying how... One of your peer supporters meets with one of his members at the gym, and that's kind of where they meet and have their conversations and build their connection.
2: Yeah, right. No, We, we <laughs> so meet good. people where they are. I mean, that's what we do. You know, right. at Thrive, we work in hospitals, we work in jails, we work in recovery houses, um, drug courts, you know, we work in various settings.
0: This podcast is produced in partnership with Allies in Recovery. Join today and begin our self-guided e-learning program. From the comfort of your own home and at your own pace, you will learn how to shepherd your loved one toward treatment and long-term recovery. Our in-house experts, led by Dominique Simon Levine, also provide personalized guidance to members. Learn more at alliesinrecovery.net and join today.
1: heard that um, statistically that and I heard this on a Dr. Drew podcast that um, a warm handoff to go to a meeting has been 100% effective versus handing somebody a brochure, a suggestion or just giving them a number or a meeting time or location. So going to meetings with somebody or meeting them there is that something that one of your peer supporters does?
2: Yeah, we sure do. Um, you know will peer support them. Uh, during a a ride, uh, spend time with them in a meeting, Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really helpful until they, you know, they're ready and comfortable for themselves. You know, a lot of um, people in early recovery have, you know, very, a lot of social anxiety. So it's real challenging for them at times to get out, you know, especially, you know, there's a number of people with mental health issues uh, in the same situation.
1: Um, do you have a process, say somebody is connected to a peer support and they just don't have the rapport and realize that it's just not going to be a fit? Do you have a process for that? Is oh, it absolutely. A smooth yeah, we'll, we'll
2: find them another peer supporter. Right. Um, you know, we, we employ uh, close to 90 people right now and we continue, we're continuing adding, um, adding peer supporters. So there's enough peer supporters that we can make a switch.
1: And then I know some of them. You know, you work on a weekly basis and stay, you know, in telephone communication or meeting regularly. What's the process in the emergency room? Do they go right in with the person? Is the person receptive? What's kind of a normal normal? How does that normally look?
2: So a person gets admitted. Um, they meet with the doctor. They may meet, be meeting with a social worker. The doctor gets a verbal consent or whoever it is, doctor, nurse, social worker, to meet with a peer supporter. Once they get the verbal consent, they reach out to us, uh, contact us. We're, you know, in some hospitals, we're there 24-7, 365. We have an office. We wait for the call. Then we go down to the emergency room, and the peer supporter, the first thing they do is um, they really spend a lot of time listening to the person. And then they share their story. Um, And, boy, talk about building instant trust. Yeah. Um, so they share their story, and then they talk about, you know, potential options. You know, what do you want to do? Um, you know, are you interested in treatment? And if they're interested, then the peer supporter reaches out to the connections that we have within whatever area it is, and start looking for um, for the support that they need. And you know, the other thing that we do. So you know, when we're successful to be able to get somebody into treatment, we actually Uber them over. We drive with them, walk them into the treatment. Um, there's times that people don't necessarily want help right now. We also have a, what we call a linkage peer supporter that works right outside the emergency room, and they can help them with, A, particularly, say, you know, what do you need right now? What's the number one thing you need? Somebody might say a meal. Somebody says, I need to get my driver's license renewed. So we can link them and help them um, to get those things taken care of. It's all about linkage. And so if we can link them to primary care or, you know, other services they need, their chances of long-term recovery are dramatically increased.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's been interesting to me in the process of doing... I do this work myself, um, other than the recovery work I do. And it's been interesting to me that there's been situations where somebody has been in long-time active use or just, you know, had mental health issues and sometimes they'll say things like, I'd like to get my driver's license. I want to go back and get my GED. I haven't had a bank account in five years. And sometimes you forget that those things are just not a priority in somebody's life when they're in the midst of adversity and somebody coming alongside that says, okay, well, we'll look into this together or I'll sit down with you and go through this process. You don't have to be overwhelmed by it.
2: Exactly. You know, we help people get signed up for Medicaid. Um, You know, so there are a number of different services and resources that, you know, we, we can tap for that individual that they, they just might not know how to do for themselves
1: right, or just haven't in a long time. And that can be when you're just trying to get it together that those things can be overwhelming and seem like bigger elephants in the room than they really are.
2: And you know, when you're in early recovery, you're not very clear headed either. Right. Um, so you need a lot of support. And yes, those, you know, what seem to be simple things are very, very challenging in early recovery.
1: Do you... um provide rides to doctor's appointments and things like that that are outside the realm of recovery?
2: Yes, because they're all related. I mean, these are related to recovery. Right.
1: I think that's so good. So, and then what about things like if they want to get, look into taking classes and getting on their feet in in a professional sure. way?
2: Yeah, I and mean, we help them do that as well. One of the things that we're also... Pretty proud of is. We've um, been around long enough that we've actually um, hired a client uh, to become a peer oh, supporter. So somebody that. that started in our program is now a peer supporter. Um, but you know, it's really all about you know, it's it's about key linkages. Um, right. You know, the social determinants of health, making sure somebody has housing, making sure that they yep. have an opportunity for a job. Um, we've helped a number of people get jobs. We've helped a number of people get their children back. Um, you know, we have a number of, a uh, tremendous number of success stories. You know, and we have our challenges too. I mean, it's a, um, unfortunately, you know, it's a very, it's a very challenging time for people in early recovery and not everybody makes it.
1: No, I mean, I, I really understand the picture when you said you hardly could get your head up off the table. I mean, that is really what it's often like. And there are, sometimes people that are experiencing frequent relapse or there are situations where someone's homeless. So they check themselves into the emergency department or a psych hospital because they don't have anywhere to go. And they're estranged from all of their family. And life is one tornado of chaos after another. And even just having somebody come alongside who is kind of an ally or a confidant rooting for you in the midst of your worst time, that starts to Build your, you know, momentum of stability and self esteem, and because I know what it's like to be in the midst of those tornadoes, and you have no idea how anything's going
2: to work out. Absolutely, you know, one of the other groups that we're starting to help in communities is the homeless. So we um, um, we have an organization that provides um, some care to uh, the homeless population. We provide a uh, a shower, a mobile shower, and haircuts and clothing, and we make meals, Um, but the other thing that we're starting to provide and expand our services is wellness checkups, um, peer support, um, signing up for Medicaid. Uh, You know, we have, um, we hand out naloxone. So these are some of the other services that we're starting um, to be able to, you know, to be able to provide to the homeless community.
1: Even sometimes... Dental care, or you know, like you said, you have helped you guys have helped people get their kids back. Maybe being on site if somebody is still in the process of supervised visits and having to re earn rights to custody and things like that. Mm-hmm. I True. love that it's, um, I don't think this, in my opinion or my experience, what I've seen, I don't feel like it's motivated by greed or money. I feel like it's motivated by a lived experience that you can give back and see the difference you're making and what a ripple effect it is.
2: Yeah, we, we have a lot of very passionate people here. Um, you know, a, a number of uh, the management team is in recovery, but there's others that aren't. Um, but the entire team is very passionate about recovery. Um, we're not only passionate about our, our the clients, but we're also passionate about um, the team that works with us. Peer support is a very difficult job. I and mean, it's very challenging. And, you know, a peer supporter can be triggered by a number of different things that they see on a daily basis. So, right. you know, it's really critically important that we take great care of our coaches you know, our supervisors, you know, watch them, make sure they're doing okay. Um, you know, we're here to provide as much support as we possibly can.
1: What are, um, do, do they have some extended type of training as well? Things like possibly motivational interviewing?
2: Yes, or... we do give them additional training, trauma-informed care. Um, you know, it's continuing education is critically important. We, um, you know, we're a growing company and we just hired a full-time trainer. Um, so training is very important to us.
1: And then do they, your peer supports, are they able to connect to somebody in management if they're saying, look, I just need to take a break. I'm feeling triggered or I'm yeah, we've, feeling drained or. Yeah. We feeling hundred percent.
2: Yeah. We we've had those situations before. And again, you know, there's a, a very heightened awareness of making sure that our people stay healthy.
1: I just I can't support it enough. <laughs> I just can't support it enough. <laughs> I think it's just I mean because I know Thank it, you, it, it just it personally affected my life before there was I, I don't even think the term was used or you know recovery wasn't even something that was discussed as much as I don't even think the epidemic had taken off and gotten media attention like it has now. And I know the benefit of it, I felt like it set me up to want to do this work with my life to just see the difference it made for me. And, and I mean, it was life support to have somebody come and breathe life back into me when I was hope I was without hope and to just be restored from that. And our family has, it has changed the trajectory of our family that not only a recovery process, but to have support come along non judgmental people who were safe and encouraging and walked alongside us. I mean, I just don't think there's anything in this world more powerful.
2: I, I agree. And, you know, to, to your point, I didn't know there was a thing called peer support. I was getting it, but I didn't know I was getting it. And, you know, I remember sitting out, you know, outside on at lunch and smoke breaks. And I, you know, wasn't even close to coming to work in my PHP program. And just listening um, to those people and the compassion that they had um, was just incredible. And they, you know, a lot of those people had absolutely nothing. They had their own um, lives to deal with and their own challenges to deal with. But, you know, they showed a tremendous amount of compassion, and really cared and helped breathe life back into me.
1: Well, and yeah, just to just to kind of keep it real, um, I, I always love the concept that as soon as feelings hit the oxygen, they begin to, to dissipate. So you hear that old phrase, a problem shared is half a problem. As soon as you right. start talking, having a background in accounting, how real were you able to get with the people you were new in a professional element?
2: Um, in this professional element? No,
1: in your, in your prior one, when you were working in accounting and, and doing all of that type of work, were you, did you have it, peer support in that realm?
2: Um, not really. Um, but that's because of, um, of me, you know, I, I was, you know, I could solve all my problems myself. Um, I was the smartest one in the room. (laughs) Um, you know, so I didn't, I didn't need peer support or I didn't think I needed peer support, I should say. So no, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, when you, you're in recovery as as you know, you get a chance to make a lot of changes. You know, it's like a new life. So I've had, you know, a wonderful opportunity to make some modifications in my life.
1: Do you think that not only just whatever your recovery process is, because again, it's different for everyone, but because you've had such support, would you credit that with the fact that you've had now long-term success in your own recovery?
2: Yeah, I'm, you know, look, recovery is a day at a time. Right. I'm, I'm blessed for every day. So, you know, I put together a few 24 hours now, and yes, I would say that peer support is a really, uh, was and still is a really important part. I mean, I'm a very active 12-step person. Um, Again, I believe in all pathways to recovery, but 12-step works for me, and and I do a lot of it. Um, Why? Because that peer support is important to me. Right.
1: That's what's worked for me as well. And my son's been, he's going into his seventh year out of that disaster. And he returns to that whenever he, you know, feels he needs to do maintenance or things like that. He's not as tenacious about it as me, but it is, you know, not one size fits all, but I have definitely found what works for us is different. But what I found from peer support as well as group recovery is that positive regard from a group no pedestals or judgment, and the concept of self-awareness and introspection, those combined, um, and you get that from peer support as much as I believe in the rooms, whatever those rooms might be, I think those combined um, give you success today as well as long-term. But again, it it does all come back to today.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's it's, uh, an entire plan. I mean, you really do have to have a recovery plan. You know, part of my plan is, you know, I work out a lot. You know, that helps me physically and mentally. Um, You know, I I have a lot of routine in my life today.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, what's your morning routine?
2: Morning routine is I wake up about 445. I go to the gym. I go to a morning AA meeting and um, I'm in the office by eight o'clock. Wow. Love it.
1: You go to a meeting every day?
2: No, I, I usually go about five times a week.
1: I have started, there's a lot of good podcasts with those, like recovery podcasts, but I've also started, I get up early and try to run most mornings, but I've started listening to a couple of Navy SEAL podcasts. And they're so interesting because they're not just uplifting, but you learn things about peace, making peace and meditation and box breathing and things like that to kind of set the course for the day and get the reins on it before the day gets the reins on you. So I think that having a plan- you know, um, for a mental start to the day is as important as anything.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
1: So that said, where do you see Thrive going in the next five years? Are you, you're national, I believe at this point, or is that just the app that's national?
2: um, So the Sober Grid app is national. Sober Grid app has 170,000 members now. And it's not only national, it's international. You know, and we think that, the app is is really important. And I think live peer support is very important, but your live peer supporter isn't available all the time. And the other great thing about the app is it's a it's a great community. It's a very safe community of people in recovery. You know, that's uh, that's the ascent powered by Sobergrid. Um in terms of of where Thrive is going, Thrive is in Ohio right now, but we're actually Um, We have application for certification in two other states. We are going to continue to grow peer support. It's what we do. It's what we do. We think we do pretty well. We are going to be expanding. We were just awarded a very large piece of the opioid settlement in Cleveland. Um, We were awarded $3 million to be able to implement our Thrive ED program in hospitals in Northeast Ohio, including, but not limited to, the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals. Wow. So, so we see the hospital program as being a, you know, a really big national opportunity. We also see our community peer support as being a very big national opportunity. We, we're also working a jail program that um, has been very successful, and that's something else that we're looking at. On a national basis.
1: So, can you tell our listeners how to maybe find the app? And, and is it, does somebody live appear once they access that? And yeah,
2: if you go to, if you go to SoberGrid.com, if you, I mean, if you go onto the App Store, you can find it. It's available in iOS and Android. And that's SoberGrid, G R I D. G R I D, correct. Okay. SoberGrid. So you can pick that up there and you can check out the company at sobergrid.com and you can check out Thrive at thrivepeersupport.com.
1: And there's a Facebook page as well. And thrive is one of my favorite words because I always say, you don't want to just recover. You want to recover and rise and live a life where you thrive. And I think that's such a great title. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, get in touch with thrive Um, other than sober grid? Is there a Facebook page or a website, or I can send it all out on my stuff, but how can we find you? How can we support you?
2: So, you know, if, Somebody wants to email me, they can email me at B B B A I L Y S at Thrive And I'll be happy to answer, you know, any questions.
1: I love it. And what I know that Thrive is doing as well as peer support. I know it's it's expanding and states are developing these programs. I'm a part of it myself in Ohio through the Department of Mental Health. Peer support gives people hope and social connection and the belief that they can regain control of their life and accomplish goals. Again, it gives them self-respect and dignity back. And I'm so grateful for people like you that are doing this work. I think it's powerful and we want to get behind you a hundred percent. So with that said, thank you so much for coming on and everyone check out Brian's sites. Feel free to contact him and add the app as soon as possible. And Thank you, and you so much. I, for-
2: I want to just say thank you so much. And we really appreciate all the support and appreciate your support for uh, peer recovery in general. It really makes a difference.
0: Well, thank you so much. And I just think you all are amazing.
2: <laughs> thank you.
0: Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesandrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, our production team, and Michael Mauboussin for the original music composition.